asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Yeah, Joel, we have a bunch of great questions to answer on this episode. We're going to discuss negotiating a salary at an entry-level position. Oh, we're going to talk about some clean titles. We've never talked about that before. That'll be fun. As well as saving money on a variable income. So if you don't have a steady job, how do you save money? Those are all good questions, and we've got some answers coming plus, up. Plus a couple more. Plus a couple more, <laughs> yeah. And, and clean title versus salvage title, that's an interesting one. You can potentially save big money getting a car with uh, a salvage title, but is it worth it? We're going to get to that Indeed. in just a minute. But before we get to that, Matt, talking about buying something that has maybe inferior credibility, what do you think about buying like a refurbished phone? How do you feel about that? Oh, dude, I'm all about the refreshed phones. That's what Apple calls it. They don't call it a refurb. They changed the name. Of to course they did. Refreshed iPhone. That's so they, Apple. They've, they've got been, better. They've been to the spa. They had a facial. You know, they're refreshed. They've got better branding <laughs> than everyone else. Of course they did. But I, so I just recently bought a new phone, a, a new, very used refurbished phone. It's a Moto G6. Moto. And it's a, it's solid, man. It's solid. But I like it so far. It's nothing fancy, but I got it refurbished off of eBay for 100 bucks, 
and it came with a one-year warranty, which I got to say, if you're buying refurbished, Sweet. make sure it comes with some sort of warranty. I think I can give you a little bit of peace of mind. But I was able to sell my old phone, which was kind of similar age, honestly, to this one for 50 bucks. And so really 50, 50 bucks more for a new phone. And honestly, it's been worth it just for the better battery life. Once you've mm. had a phone for a little while, your battery life can kind of start to degrade really hard and make the phone almost feel unusable. And so yeah, that's kind of where I was at, the position I was in. But I put a proper listing up on Facebook yard sale. The guy came to check it out, fiddled around with it and was like, cool, this is what I'm looking for. So yeah, I feel like I got a much better phone for only 50 bucks. Not too bad. Nice dude. You know, I will say I like the all black look. looks like a little ninja sitting over there on the table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read that it takes only about a year and a half or two years before you, your phone has gone through enough recharge cycles that it only retains about 80% of its original charge. So those are the days when it's like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and you look down at your phone and you're like 20%. You're like, dang it, where did all my battery life go? Uh, that's what happens. So do you want to hear some tips of ways that you can keep your cell phone battery, Moto G6 or Apple iPhone? Let, let me guess one you real get, quick. Okay, go for okay, it. Okay, so don't ever charge it to 100%. Actually, yeah. So that's one of them. They say that, you know, the old school rechargeable batteries, they had this thing called uh, battery memory, where if you don't charge it all the way, it's like your battery would forget how to charge all the way up. So you, you would always want to charge it all the way up. Stupid batteries. But that's not the case anymore. It, batteries don't have that. And in fact, they're the happiest when they're kind of like in the middle. So you don't want your battery to die, like go all the way down to zero. So basically when I set up my phone to do the time lapse and it, and it always dies... That's probably terrible for my battery. <laughs> the, the little videos I post on Instagram. You don't want that to happen. But ideally, you also don't want it to go all the way up to 100%. You kind of want it to be right there in the middle. So, uh, it's the same so thing. that's a good one. Yeah, it's the same thing with like an electric car, really. Like you, 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 when, you, oh, yeah. when you plug it in, you don't want it to go up past like 90%. It kind of stresses the battery to kind of stretch that entire limit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and really, that la it takes a lot more time to get that last 10% of charge. So yeah, that was one guess. But I don't know. What are your other tips for maintaining a good battery life on your phone? Well, there's these other chargers out there that are like these high performance chargers and they charge your phone really fast. They're higher wattage chargers than like, I think a standard iPhone charger is like five watts. But you can get ones that are much stronger, like, I don't know, maybe 20 watts or 25 watts. And it will charge your phone faster, but that is terrible for your battery. From what I understand, it charges it really quickly, puts a lot of stress on the battery, though. It gets a lot hotter. Uh, and that's another thing that you want to avoid doing is letting your battery, letting your phone get really hot. That can permanently damage the battery. And sometimes I've seen this with my phone before, but when it gets too hot, it'll actually shut down. Like it's got like this temperature gauge and it's like, no, 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 phone is <laughs> off. <laughs> but if it's been sitting out in the sun or in that case, it was sitting in a glove compartment in a boat. I don't do that often. Maybe like <laughs> once every three years. On your yacht? Yeah, on my, on my yacht. <laughs> but that's actually the only time I've ever seen that. So you don't want your phone to get really hot and you also don't want to charge it really fast with those speed chargers because... That'll crush your battery. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, if you are selling your old phone, don't forget to hit the factory reset because you don't want the person who's buying your phone to have access to all of the stuff that you have stored on the phone. <laughs> uh, and I know that that's something that most people would think about, but I'm sure there are people out there that yeah. haven't thought Seriously. through that. So, Dude yeah. is probably looking through your phone. He's just like, why does this guy take so many pictures of his armpit? <laughs> Is, is, that, is that a rash? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you got to document everything. Dude, I mean, you use your phone to like see stuff that you can't normally see, right? Whether it be like around the house. I use it to like peer down into like the air vent. Be like, ah, oh, dang it. Is that kid toy down there? No, you take pictures of stuff like that? 
Yeah, well, I'll take video. Like you, if you flip it to video mode and turn the light on, you can you basically get to kind of like use it as a periscope. You know, you can kind of like peer around corners, like in construction. Like if I'm trying to see inside of a wall and there's this tiny little hole, you put your phone up to it, do video mode, turn the light on. It's amazing. I don't think I've ever done that. Seriously? Yeah. Dude, I do it all the time. I did it uh, last week. I was uh, one of my tenants. She thought she heard something in the chimney. She was just like, I'm pretty sure there's like a squirrel nest or a bird nest in there. So I hopped up on the roof. And I was pretty sure that wasn't the case because it wasn't the opening, the cover wasn't big enough for an animal to get through. But to double check, I flipped it to video mode on my phone, hit the flash to turn the video light on. And then you, I could just stick it in there and I could see clear down the uh, clear down the chimney and I could see it live on the screen. But then you pull it out and then you hit stop and then you replay it. Boom. What'd you find? Nothing. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess you're just making it up. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe something fell, but like a random stick must have kind of fallen down. It wasn't wasn't a rodent. All right. So. Okay. All right. So good news for my tenant. Good news for me. And good news for you. Now that you know how to use your phone as a uh, periscope. Now I have a phone that the battery lasts, you know, more than five minutes. It's not much of an upgrade, but you know what? It's a fine phone. I like it so far. Yeah. All right, Matt. Let's mention the beer that we're having on the show today. We're drinking a beer called If It's the Peaches by Cherry Street Brewing Company. And we'll see who gets that reference. You're yeah. you going to tease it to the end of the episode? Sure. Yeah, we'll okay. mention it at the end of the episode. Because you said it for me and I didn't know it because I don't listen to this band. Oh. Another hint. Yeah, it must be a little uh, play on words there. Yeah, and this is a peach milkshake IPA. Oh, and this is a beer that you picked up, sir. So thank you for picking this one up and uh, sharing with me on the show. No problemo. Cherry Street, one of my favorite Georgia breweries. So looking forward to discussing this one at the end of the episode. But Matt, on to the topic at hand. Today, we're answering listener questions. And for folks that have a question they want to submit that they want us to answer on the show. Well, there's an easy way to submit your question. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are incredibly simple instructions there for you to record your question and send it on over to us. And we will hopefully be able to tackle that on an upcoming episode. Let's get to our first one now. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Crystal from Houston, Texas, and I'm a senior at my local university. I am super stoked because I just nailed an interview with one of my dream companies. My question is if it's too taboo to negotiate my salary when they give me an offer. While going to college, I worked a lot and I have a good amount of experience under my belt. I know it can be a little weird to negotiate salary for an entry-level position, but I feel that with the skill sets that I've gained, I might be worth a little bit more. Do you guys have any tips for negotiating entry-level positions? Thank you for answering my question and thanks so much for providing such helpful money tips. I'll be graduating debt-free and you both have motivated me so much through that process. Thanks again. Crystal, man, congrats on graduating debt-free. That's just amazing. What a great way to, to start your life. And on top of that, an offer from your dream company. That's just another fantastic way to, to kick things off. It's obvious that you've got confidence and honestly believing that you're worth more. Like that's just a huge part of the battle. Most folks are avoiding asking altogether because they lack the confidence uh, and they're not aware of the value that they can bring to their company. Yeah. And Crystal, you can totally negotiate for even an entry-level position. The key is to help this employer see that you will be providing more value for them as an employee. You want to stand out from the other entry-level hires by highlighting the additional skills that you're going to be bringing to the company. You already believe that that's the case. And that is a big giant leap. That's a huge first step. Most new hires, most folks coming out of college, they're kind of hoping to land a solid job. They don't necessarily believe that they're a game changer for this company, but it sounds like you do believe that. And you do think that you are going to make a big difference for this employer if they hire you. I love your confidence and I love that you value the skills that you've been able to accumulate so far. Whereas a lot of people your age, they just don't kind of think of themselves in those terms. So yeah, I think you can totally use that to your advantage. 
Okay, Crystal, so here are some tips now when it comes to negotiating. Uh, your potential employer, they might be hiring for a specific position, but you will be fulfilling and providing much more than what they're just asking for for that specific position, right? So you wanna make sure that you research the salary of the actual role that you would be filling. And you can do that uh, with sites like salary.com, Glassdoor. Glassdoor, they have a tool called Know Your Worth, which is pretty sweet. And even beyond those different websites, having connections and a network within your industry is really valuable. Even though you just graduated, it sounds like you have a lot of experience. I don't know if you interned or you worked summers in the industry, but hopefully you'll be able to kind of check in with some work friends, uh, some of those contacts that you've made in the time that you've already been working. Yeah, and Crystal, if you kind of run into a brick wall when it comes to negotiating a higher salary, ne negotiating more pay in the beginning, well, I think there are other potential benefits that you can negotiate a little bit easier. So let's talk about some of those too. I think a lot of employers may not have much flexibility on the specific dollar amount that they can offer you. If it's a $48,000 salary, it's a $48,000 salary for new hires. But you might be able to ask for extra vacation days. If you're able to start off by having three vacation weeks instead of just the traditional two. That's one really cool way that you can basically increase the amount of money that you're making because you've got more time off. You also may be able to ask for work flexibility, maybe more remote work time if that's possible in your field. Although I'll give one caveat. I don't always think that's a great idea for new hires. I think the more you're in front of your bosses, the more you're in your work environment, the more beneficial it's going to be to you in the long term. But that is something that you can think about. Yeah. And ideally, you would be in front of your bosses because you would be in the corner office as well. So that's something you can negotiate. Just come straight in and say, I want that office. I want to sit in the, the corner office with all the windows. Yeah, that, uh, that would take a, a certain cockiness <laughs> that I, I don't know if Crystal quite possesses that and probably shouldn't possess that yet. <laughs> corner office. Crystal, yeah, maybe aim for that in 20 years though, for sure. You or can, 10. You can do it. Or 10. Yeah, Let's yeah. accelerate that path exactly. to the corner office. Most definitely. I think another thing that you can negotiate for that is direct monetary compensation is a bonus for specific accomplishments. So if the starting salary is pretty fixed, pretty rigid, you can mention some of the skills that you possess and some of the ways that you think you can bring added value beyond what other new hires are going to be able to bring and set specific performance metrics, even as you're getting hired and ask for a bonus structure based on meeting those metrics, meeting those goals. That's an additional way that you can potentially get paid more, but your employer is not necessarily scared off by paying you an increased salary higher than the rest of the folks that they're hiring at the same time. And Crystal, you know, you mentioned, I guess at the beginning of your question is negotiating your salary to taboo if it's an entry level position. Well, the fact is, I don't think anything is taboo if you're cool about it. You want to approach this entire situation pretty delicately. If this is a dream job with an awesome company, you don't want to alienate them, but instead you want to help them to realize that you'll be on the same team. You know, I would tell this employer what it means for you to work there, how you can see yourself there long term. Just share with them that you actually want to be there. I think a lot of employers are looking for employees who are dedicated and who are going to be loyal because that's just not something that you see today. But if you know that this is a dream company and you really could see yourself there for the long term, share your passion to get all of y'all together there on the same team. Yeah, I, I think in today's era of job hopping of people not staying with employers very long, if this employer knows that you're planning on being there for quite a long time because you love what they do, you really want to work there, you love the work environment, that makes a big difference. And if they know that you're committed, that you're that interested, I think it really helps them have the ability to offer you more and to give you more incentive to come work for them because they know that they're going to be rewarded if they hire you. You're going to stay there probably for quite a while. 
One other thing I want to add is if you don't get the things that you really want out of these negotiations, that's okay. You know what? Don't think of it as a one-time negotiation. This, like you said, and like you mentioned, this is an employer you really want to work with. You'll have multiple chances over the years to negotiate your salary, to negotiate these benefits. I'm not saying not to take this seriously and not to ask for what you feel like you deserve. I think you should do that, even as you're negotiating your first position there. But if you don't get everything that you want, don't be disappointed. Ultimately, if this is a company that you can see yourself at for quite a long while, just know that those other chances will come. Getting your foot in the door sometimes and showing them what you're made of, showing them what you can bring to the table if they're unwilling to budge on a starting salary. Well, honestly, that's not a terrible place to be. And you'll quickly show that your value surpasses that of most new hires. And it won't be long before your company is recognizing that. And you are getting that corner office that Matt suggested you negotiate for day one. You know, not even 10 years, five years, <laughs> yeah, five years. <laughs> Crystal's on the fast track. I love it. All right, we've got a couple more great questions. We're going to discuss debt consolidation and HSAs. But first, let's take a quick break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. 
Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Joel, we're back from the break. What's our next question? Next one is about debt consolidation. Hey, Joel and Matt. I caught an episode you guys did on debt consolidation and found it very helpful. I still had one more question on the subject. I'm getting married and we have about $40,000 in credit card debt. It's spread over six cards. Besides that, the house, that's all the debt we really have to pay off. So we want to get it done as soon as possible. My question is, what do we do before going to the credit union to get a low-interest loan? We have one card each that we can't cancel because we have some air miles on them. But should we cancel all of our other cards so we don't have all that available credit? Or should we just lower the limits on them before we go? My credit cards have a range limit of 18000 to 30000 and I have excellent credit. My fiance has a total limit of 10,000 and has good credit. I'm not sure how hard canceling these cards will hurt our credit score if we cancel them first. Just looking for some advice, thanks. Jeff, thanks for your question, man, and congrats on getting married. Man, it's awesome that you two are working together as a team to get rid of this debt. That's what marriage is all about, you're a team. And everyone's circumstances are different, but I think there's so much power when you're able to join forces together to kind of work on this. And by the way, the episode you referenced in case other people want to know more about debt consolidation and our feelings on it and how you actually, and how you should actually think about consolidating your debt. Well, that was episode 77. So check that one out if you have questions about the subject. Yeah, Joel. And in that episode, uh, that's when we talked about manually consolidating your debt. That doesn't mean that he is with a consolidation company means he's taking the matters into his own hand and he's putting his own plan together. That's the kind of debt consolidation that we love. But Jeff, to go ahead and answer your question, you're asking about the cards. Man, you do not need to be canceling the cards. In fact, you need to be keeping those cards open. We would leave them as they are because if you cancel or lower the limits on those cards, that will actually hurt your credit score, which will hurt you in the future in lots of different ways. So you want to keep those cards open. And I would only really consider you know, canceling those cards maybe if you know that you might be tempted to spend on those cards, because if that's how you got into that debt in the first place and you haven't really addressed those spending patterns, well, that might be a situation that calls for closing some of those cards. But you know what? In this situation, it totally sounds like you're cleaning things up. You're forging a new path, right? It's a new dawn. And if that's the case, keep those cards open because you want to keep your credit score high because you're going to want that high credit score. 
Yeah, and Jeff, you mentioned that you're considering going to a credit union. Matt and I love credit unions. A local credit union often offers the lowest interest rates on loan products. That's what credit unions are typically known for. They're not often as awesome for a savings or checking account. The rates of interest aren't as high as, let's say, an online bank. But when it comes to getting a loan product, well, a credit union is a great place to go. So once you've found a good lender like a local credit union, assess how quickly you can pay this debt off. The amount of time it takes you to knock out that debt will determine what type of loan product you actually pursue. You said that you have great credit. Like, could you potentially get a new 0% credit card offer? If you could pay down most of that $40,000 of credit card debt in a 15 to 18 month window, well, that could be a really good decision for you. Granted, that that's a ton of debt to pay off in a little over a year. But if you can prioritize it highly and you can dedicate a lot of money resources towards eliminating it in a small amount of time, well, then a 0% credit card could help you on your way. But Jeff, if you don't think you'll be able to knock it out, you know, in a little over a year, if you think that it'll more realistically be maybe three to five years before you can knock out that debt, then a home equity line of credit on your house actually could be a pretty good option for you. You're just going to want to make sure that you're being careful when it comes to exchanging that unsecured credit card debt for secured debts, that being on your house. Because you put your house at risk when you do that. You want to make sure that you are 100% on board. Like both of you had, you know, you've drank the Kool-Aid. You're committed to paying down this debt. If you are, then a HELOC might be a great option. You're likely to get a much better rate with a HELOC than you would with a personal loan with the very same credit union. But getting either a 0% credit card, getting a HELOC, these are all going to be much better options than keeping the high rates of interest that you have with those open cards. And it's probably definitely going to be better than going with a debt consolidation company. Yeah, Jeff. And I think in summation, it's important for us to say to be focused on the right things. Your question is about whether or not you should close credit cards or lower the limits. That is not what you should be focused on. The biggest thing that you have in your control is to slash expenses and be able to take more of your income to more rapidly pay down this debt. There are ways that you can lower the interest that you're paying on this debt by getting a 0% card or taking out a HELOC on your home. Like These are ways that you can pay less interest while you're doing that. But mindset is a huge part of this as well. And it sounds like you're ready to tackle this head on. Just make sure not to lose that fervor. Set a deadline and get about the process of kicking this debt to the curb. All right, Joel, our next question is about an HSA, a health savings account, which we've talked about before, how it's the ultimate retirement vehicle. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So let's go ahead and hear this one. Hey, this is Teresa listening from Cumming, Georgia. I was intrigued by your podcast about HSA accounts. As luck would have it, I am in open enrollment at work. Here is my situation. I do have an HSA option. My company will not do pre-tax deductions, so any contribution will be made with after-tax money. So I didn't know if possibly it could work like a Roth, because you mentioned a traditional IRA. I do not have a 401k available. We have only had one person utilize the HSA, and last year her accountant did adjust her income based on her contribution. But now that I'm saying this out loud, I wonder if that was even correct because it was all with after-tax monies. So I'm wondering if this would still be beneficial to me based on your podcast. It sounds like I'm probably only getting half the benefit. So I look forward to your response. I really enjoy your podcast and thank you for your time. So Teresa, thanks so much for your question. Uh, Joel, real quick, she said she's in Cumming, Georgia. 
that's where our beer for this episode is from. Oh, so, my gosh. So, Teresa, you need to be heading over and checking out uh, Cherry Street Brewing if you haven't already. That's crazy, dude. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's actually the same same little town there in Georgia. So. Yeah, it's about an hour <laughs> north of where we are, and they're making some delightful beers. So, Teresa, go We're, check out Cherry We'll talk Street. more about this beer at the end of the episode, though. But, Teresa, let's talk about HSAs and kind of how they work. Any money that goes into an HSA is tax-free. And while most employers might allow a payroll deduction, it's not required. In this case, you could still contribute to your HSA with what feels like post-tax money, but you would be able to claim that deduction when you file your taxes at the end of the year. So it sounds like that's what your friend did, which is actually cool. That's totally compliant. The IRS is going to be happy with the fact that she did it that way. It's just a different way that you can take advantage of making those contributions with quote-unquote pre-tax money. And let's talk about what you should do with your HSA if your employer isn't offering any incentives for you to contribute. So it sounds like your employer isn't contributing anything to your HSA. So there really isn't any benefit to keeping your HSA with your work-sponsored plan if they're not actually putting any money towards it. And work-provided HSAs aren't typically known for getting you access to the best accounts that are out there. Oftentimes, there can be hidden fees or costs that are baked into the, the product that are hard to find unless you go digging for them. So part of your question was, is an HSA going to be beneficial for you? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. If you have a high-deductible health plan, Utilizing an HSA to its fullest potential is one of those things that you should most definitely prioritize. But the thing is, you should consider having your HSA with another company and not the one that your work has given you access to. Yeah. So Teresa, if this sounds like you, you might be asking yourself the question, well, where should I take my HSA? Well, you want to go with a low cost provider like Fidelity or Lively. Both of those are great options regardless of where you are employed. And so, by the way, that was episode 105 that we talked about HSAs. And another quick tip, Teresa, make sure that you keep all of your health-related receipts so that years down the road, you have the option to reimburse yourself for those expenses. And that's because you want to be able to use your HSA like a fantastic retirement account. You mentioned how you don't have a 401k. Well, this is how you get some of those 401k benefits, but through your HSA. Yeah. And the reason that Fidelity and Lively are two of our favorites is because they offer amazing access to incredibly low cost investment options inside of your HSA. And that is specifically how you're able to take advantage of an HSA and make it more of a health investment plan than a health savings plan. A lot of people use an HSA and they spend it on same year medical expenses. And that's not a terrible idea. You still get a nice little tax benefit for that, but you get a massive tax benefit if you're able to invest that money and let it grow over the long term. And that's why having your HSA with one of those companies is an awesome way to go. And Matt, we got a couple more questions to get to, including how do you save and invest when your paycheck varies from month to month? And also, what about buying a car with a salvage title? Is that a bad idea? Well, we'll get to that right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Joel, we're back from the break, and we're about to take a question here about clean titles, which I hear are pretty important when it comes to shopping for a car. Hey, Joel and Matt. This is Masa from Boston, Massachusetts. After listening to your episodes that dealt with buying a car, most recently number 89, the best car for frugal folks, I looked into used cars in my area. I found a few that I think would meet both your criteria for frugal and my criteria for I'd drive that. Then I limited my search to include only those with clean titles. That's when all the search results disappeared. I googled what clean title meant for used cars and I think it means that that used car has not been in an accident or flooded or whatever. In y'all's opinion, how important is having a clean title for a used car? 
Is the lack of a clean title a deal breaker? If the mechanic I trust checks out the car and says it's fine, even if the car doesn't have a clean title, should I get the car? Did I even get the definition of clean title right as it pertains to used cars? Keep up the good work. And Joel, I love rowing machines too. I've put over 30 million meters on my Concept 2 Erg. Masa, yes, dude, rowing machines, so cool. If only I actually did it on a consistent basis, I might actually have a modicum of upper body strength. But yeah, I do love rowing machines. I'm all about exercising in a way that's fun. I hate running, but I'll bike anywhere. Rowing is like fun. It's like this whole body activity. And yeah, but you're just sitting there, like unless you're on an actual boat, right? No, nah, I get into Dude, it. Dude, you need to get into running. I actually just started looking ahead to plan to run this race in our neighborhood. It's a beer mile. It's like where you just run a little bit and then you drink. Yeah, that sounds nice. I, I heard about that. <laughs> I might have to join up. I but might make an exception for that, that one. That might be the kind of run that you can get into. Okay. All right. I'll consider it. But let's get into Masa's question now. He's asking about salvage titles. And man, it's a really, really good question. This is something that comes up when people are buying used cars. There are a lot of used cars with salvage titles out there. And a salvage title means that it was likely written off as a total loss by an insurance company. It could have been in a massive accident or could be even a flood car. You have to be particularly wary of those. After a massive tropical storm or hurricane with lots of flooding, man, you can have hundreds of thousands of flood cars. You think about Texas? Texas, yeah, yeah. After Yeah, that happens. There are a lot of cars that get salvaged titles because they've been through massive amounts of flooding. And a flood car can potentially be made to, to look all right to the human eye. But under the hood, there could be a massive amount of problems waiting you because of all the water it was sitting in. So that is a particular situation in which a salvage title might not be a good idea. But Matt, I do think that there are times where it's okay to buy a car with a salvage title. And here's kind of the way I think about it. If you do have it thoroughly inspected by a mechanic that knows what he or she is doing and you know what you're getting into, well, then it can be an okay idea. And I can't stress that enough. Like you really need an expert on your side that knows how to assess body damage, potential flood damage, any of the issues that might be lying underneath the surface that you and I as non-auto experts won't be able to find. And in my opinion, you need to be able to score a decent discount on the purchase of a vehicle with a salvage title because that's gonna affect your resale value at the same time. So if you have a trusted mechanic and they say, you know what, this car has been restored very, very well. It was in a major accident, but now it's in really solid condition. And you can score a really good discount because it's basically got that scarlet letter of being branded as a salvage title vehicle. Well, then I think jumping into a car like that can make some sense. Sort of like you with your uh, refurb phone, right? Like maybe it was flooded in the toilet by somebody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they made it all better. It's all better now. Man, a salvage title, for me, this is a tough call, right? Like it, it almost sounds like a good frugal or cheap for me with a family, like if we were getting a second car, I'd consider it maybe for me just as a local driver, you know, like if I was just commuting all the time and I knew I could just kind of take it to work and back mostly just for me, I would consider it then. But I don't think I would really consider it if I was planning to take that vehicle as much like on a longer trip, like on the interstate, maybe if I was driving all the time with my family with me, because I feel like that might be a situation where I feel like I'm kind of imposing my cheapness on like others around me, especially if like the car were to break down or, you know, God forbid there's any safety issues. Like what if you, you know, something happens and you're like, oh, dang it. Like the reason that happened is because we bought this cheap car. You know, we got, we got a great deal on it. It was salvaged. But again, hopefully the vast majority of that you can identify ahead of time with a really good mechanic. But for me personally, I think I would, I'd probably shy away from that unless I knew it was just mostly driving for me around town. Yeah. I think if in this search process, if, if you're having a hard time, finding a decent used car that 
doesn't have a salvage title, I think you just need to probably take a little bit longer to search. Continue to drive what you're driving now. Really, it puts you in the catbird seat the longer you have to be able to look for a vehicle. If you have weeks or even months that you can be looking and you don't have to pull the trigger, you don't have to make a purchase, well, that just gives you more opportunity to find a deal, to find that diamond in the rough, and then to negotiate and get your price on the car that you're interested in. So I think Matt makes a good point. I wouldn't settle for a car with a salvage title. I think if you're able to score a ridiculous deal because of it, and you're willing to drive it for a while, and you don't mind the fact that it's not worth as much to the next person that you are going to sell it to when you're done with it, then I think it, it's not a terrible idea, but it's definitely not your only option. Your best option is probably to wait around and try to find a great deal on a car that has a clean title. All right, Matt, let's get to our final question for this episode. And this is something that you have a lot of familiarity with. Hey, Matt and Joel. We are Sarah and Sean from Alaska. And as we've delved into the world of personal finance in the past year, we've noticed that most advice is geared towards salaried office workers. We are not. Working in the maritime industry, we make good money, but we make an hourly wage. And because we work odd hours, our paychecks vary wildly. I've seen paychecks as little as $600 for a pay period and as much as $4,000. Sean has a more stable schedule, but his paychecks vary by as much as 115%. Automating bills is a no-brainer. We're fortunate enough to be able to break the month-to-month cycle and have enough in the bills account to cover low pay periods. However, all the advice out there about automated savings don't apply. For instance, we save 10% of Sean's check towards home improvement, but that amount hasn't been the same since we started saving six months ago. Now, most of our paychecks go towards various savings accounts, but it's all on our system because we can't automate it. So our question is, do you have any advice for folks like us, any psych tricks for folks with unstable income to save better? Because we find this problem over and over again when the paycheck comes in, Oh, let's have fun. Thank you so much for all that you do. Yes, Sarah and Sean, by the way, having that variable income, like that is hard. Uh, It is not easy to have consistency in your finances when your income fluctuates. Joel, have you ever had an income that wasn't consistent? Yeah, for sure. With hourly jobs here and there back in the day. But I've had a fairly consistent salary job for for a number of years now. So it's not something I've faced a lot recently, but, but I think there are a lot of ways that someone with a varying paycheck lifestyle can still prioritize saving and investing, even though it can be harder. Yeah. So Sarah, one of the simplest ways to combat how difficult it can be to save with a variable income is to save more money so that you have a larger emergency fund. And that will allow you to have a little more margin. The bare minimum that you want to have is 1000 for an emergency fund. But ideally, for most folks, it's closer to about three months of living expenses. But in your case, when you have a really variable income, and I would also put myself in this category, that's when we're going to want to have something closer to six months of expenses set aside. When you're able to do that, this should allow us to continue to save and invest a set dollar amounts, even when your income varies wildly. Yeah, there's something about having a sweet stockpile of cash in the bank that makes it easier to fund your IRA automatically every month, right? That cash cushion is so helpful. Another thing that's really helpful if you're living that varying paycheck lifestyle is to think about it in percentages. And and it sounds like you guys are doing that. You've been able to determine percentages for where you want your money to go. And this is a great way to continue to save and invest, even if your income for a particular month is smaller. And it may not be a specific dollar amount, 
but thinking in percentages can be great. 15% is 15% regardless of how much you've earned. And you know that over the course of a year, it's all going to even out. Yeah, Joel, percentages are great. Like you said, things even out over the year. And so even though your income varies, those peaks, they, they kind of fill in those valleys when you stick to a certain percentage amount. And Joel, with you being on a W-2, you know, being on a payroll, when you are setting aside money to go towards retirement, you haven't chosen a specific dollar amount necessarily. You're looking at the percentage of your income that you're setting aside. And I will admit, it's a little bit easier when the percentage and the dollar amount are the exact same every month. Right. Yeah. Because, like you do have a consistent dollar amount that you're earning. And so Yes, even though you're focused on the percentage, the dollar amount does happen to be the same, but you're not looking at the dollar amount necessarily. You're looking at the percentage, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Sarah, in my case, as organized and sort of by the books as I tend to be, I've never been overly structured when it came to the amount of money that I'm saving and investing. Being self-employed now for over a decade, my, my income has fluctuated just too much to say that I need to save 10% or you know what, this year we're going to save 20%. Because there are some lean months that are slower where I only have enough to pay the bills and we can't save 20%. But the thing is, we also will get a fat month where, you know, Kate and I will max out our Roth IRAs completely and our savings rate that month is just way higher than we could ever consistently maintain. And so I've never had a 401k with a predictable employer match that offered that consistency. Uh, when you have a variable income or when you're self-employed, it's good to be flexible in order to still successfully save money. And so the most straightforward approach for anyone with a variable income is to try and keep your lifestyle in check so that even during your leanest months, you can still pay for your basics like housing, food, and other bills. Sarah, it sounds like y'all are already doing that. So great job there. But then during your fat months when you're making a ton of money, make sure to prioritize your saving and investing goals like paying down high interest debt, saving for an emergency fund and contributing towards retirement accounts like a Roth IRA. You're asking about ways to specifically automate that savings. I don't know if there is a way to automate it when you have a variable income like that. You can't replace that self-discipline. You know, you mentioned the honor system. It's, you can't really get past that. You can have systems set up in place, but in the end, it's your money and you still have the final say as to what you do with that money. All right, Matt, let's talk about prioritizing fun as well, because that's something Sarah asked about and that she and Sean want to do. Well, you can have fun with your money too. Savings goals can be fun, and, and it doesn't have to be all about paying down debt and putting money in investment accounts. It can also be about saving up enough to buy a car that you want in cash or going on a vacation that you've been dreaming of, or even just having a small percentage of your budget dedicated towards going out to eat at your favorite local restaurants or craft beer or craft beer. <laughs> most definitely. There's a balance between doing these adultish things like investing and rewarding yourself now by going on a trip, but they both require you being intentional with your money. And I know that varying paycheck lifestyle is not easy. And when you have a super lean month, it can make it tough to think about spending money on anything except for the bare essentials. And when you have a fat month, it can be really easy to think about buying plane tickets to Paris. But it's that sort of thinking that is going to destroy your long-term financial outlook. If you can prioritize that cash cushion and think about things in percentages and be consistent along the way, you and Sean have a bright future where you can prioritize the fun things in life while also prioritizing saving and investing. 
Yeah, Sarah, a lot of this comes down to getting your money in order. You want to prioritize those smart things, and that will allow you to then do those fun things potentially forever. Yeah, it, can, it really can be like a domino effect. It just becomes so much easier to think about spending on the fun stuff. You feel like you have more freedom because you're not even close to living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, you have more freedom and more cash. Yeah, building up those reserves and prioritizing the, the smart things first really frees you up to have fun as you start to knock down some of those financial goals that you're aiming for. Nice. All right, Joel, let's take it back to the beer, man. This episode, we enjoyed If It's the Peaches, and that's by Cherry Street Brewing. Joel, what did you think about this one, man? This one was a winner in my book. I'm a huge fan of the band that this beer was named after. There's a song by the Avid Brothers called If It's the Beaches. And the Avid Brothers are one of my go-to favorite bands for sure. It's that banjo folk style, Matt. That's one of my favorite styles of music. But this beer, man, was so good. It, it's that fruited milkshake style of IPA. I got a little bit of peach fuzz, a lot of peach juiciness. <laughs> and it was just so nicely balanced with a little bit of hot presence in there as well. What does peach fuzz taste like? Um, I don't know. It's really hard to explain, <laughs> but I feel like you can I feel like you can taste it in this beer. You know what you know what I think of when you say peach fuzz? I'll tell you a quick story. I know I interrupted you, I'm sorry. But I couldn't help but to think of this. I remember as a kid, once I'm in the grocery store, I I picked up a peach and it was so soft. I was like, Oh, there's so much peach fuzz and I rubbed it against my cheek because it was so soft. But like the peach fuzz came off into my soft skin because I was only like six <laughs> and I had all these tiny little spikes and it hurt like crazy and I was too embarrassed to tell my mom and so I kind of went home with a rash on my face. <laughs> That's my peach fuzz story. It's a good story. I like that one. I like that one. Oh uh, yeah, sorry. What were your additional thoughts on the how this beer tasted? This particular style, the kind of milkshake IPA is a new-ish style. A lot of people have been attempting it and a lot of people have failed spectacularly but this beer is not even close to a failure. Honestly, it's kind of close to perfection. It's so dang good. Yeah, I really enjoy this as well, dude. You know, I don't even like peach flavored stuff typically, right? But I love this beer. For me, there was very little peach up front, like when we first kind of cracked it open and tasted it. But as it warmed up, those peach flavors came through for me. Uh, like you said, it was really crazy fruity. But for me, the standout was like the dry hop flavors that were going on, like that bitterness. It was almost like this achiness on the back of my tongue. I know that sounds weird to describe a flavor as being achy, but that's what I tasted, and so I'm sticking to it. Kind of like the achy feeling you get listening to some of those Ava Brothers love songs. <laughs> like a deep, soulful like, yearning. Exactly. Yeah, I was feeling that in my mouth, like, and it was because <laughs> of this beer, and I liked it. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. If you want show notes for this episode or to find other resources that we have available, you can check out our website, howtomoney.com. And we would really appreciate if you were a subscriber to this podcast. So wherever it is that you're listening, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. So Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, man. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.